guys, welcome back to the Hive of the Heroes. Zoe Brown goes with me as always, Jonathan Hardesty, Emily Blake, and Joey Darso. Hi. Woo! You did it. Without, I did it. Without uh, slurring. Super speed, and I didn't stutter. I feel pretty good about it. What are you, the Flash? He's been singing <laughs> along wish. to Weird Al's cover of Hamilton a I lot. Have a so lot. he's gotten the. Yeah. Oh, so you've gotten the practice. Gotten yeah. better. Yeah. Since you breezed over it, how will people know whose voice belongs to which person? Uh, that was Emily Blake. <laughs> the other one was Chewy. The and other John's one. always here. <laughs> Uh, For better or worse. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I will say, I'm pretty excited. Uh, This has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, but what you just listened to before we started talking is our new theme music. That was really great, wasn't it? Everyone, that That you definitely heard it. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about all that music that we definitely listen to here as well. I love Uh, it. Uh, but it came from our friend Bradley Parsons. He does the music for Venture Bros. He also does the music for upcoming Samwise, and now he does music for After the Hype. That's pretty So slick. thank you, Bradley, and your work is uh, always entertaining. Baller. If you want to have that work done for your show, check him out on Fiverr. Bradley Parsons, one word. Uh, and that's my plug. Did we have theme music before? We did, and I really we- enjoyed it, and it worked for a time, but I just wanted to try some new stuff. Okay. As with all things, t- uh, time changes. Yeah, you know? it just it felt like it was time for a change, and I really liked what he did for both Sam Wise and for Venture Bros, and I decided, you know what? Let's just bring him over to the... Cool beans. The other show. <laughs> I was going to say the best show. But Let's get him to do everything. Yeah, everything. The you know how to do video editing, right, Bradley? <laughs> Good luck, fucker. You just imitate all our voices and do the show for us. Perfect. That'd be great. Hi, I'm Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to go great. Uh, So special guest this week, we have coming on Miss Riley Silverman. Hello. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. When uh, when we said that we were going to do a battle episode, Emily immediately messaged me, do we have somebody for the battle yet? I have somebody who will be perfect. And I was like, all right. Oh, did they I mean, cancel? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to find a way to bring you on this podcast, but it was always like movies that I didn't think I didn't feel like would be up your alley. But I was like, this way you can choose one. Okay. I want to know what movies you have judged not being we, up my alley. We at this do point. a lot of like super. You always like when when we did the when you did the ten movies that you like best. It was always stuff like Clueless and things like that. So we do like we, we do We've mostly done Clueless. We have not since I've been on the. Oh, podcast. okay, yeah. Um, I made no, we, but that was that we was, stopped Clueless when that Emily wasn't joined. ten movies that I like best. That was ten movies that had an impact. Yeah, on I guess me. that's true. So like if so like, I think if you're, if you're a closeted think... trans girl in the mid nineties and Clueless comes out, like that is your like you're like this is the world that I could have lived in. Like that's that's like what that that's what that was. Like, they had yeah. the weirdest clueless uh, reference in uh, was it the latest episode of Venture Brothers? Yeah. They had a uh, makeover montage, and for some reason, at the end of it, they all come dressed out as clueless when they're done shopping in the mall. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> well, because clueless had that makeover montage with Ty. Yeah, that's yeah. What it, all is. it actually makes a lot of sense. Like, it, no, the for them ending it, it makes sense, but the random clueless poll in this episode of Venture Bros. It's like that's why I like Venture Bros. For it, um, I am for it. So do we want to this is a weird movie because if you watch it now, it holds up very well and it actually somehow it's it was so self-parodying of the 90s at the time that when you watch it now it feels like somebody made a movie now that was like a nostalgic mm. mock of the 90s. Like I, mm. I could see like that the for wedding sure. singer is to the 80s, like Clueless yeah. feels like that to the mid 90s. I could totally see that. Yeah. It's just that everyone should be a little bit older, but whatever. Um all right, hey look, we both did it at the same time. Perfect. Physical comedy on a podcast. <laughs> hey. Uh, just in case people don't stick around to the very end and you actually have timely plugs. Riley, do you have anything you'd like to plug up in front? I do. I have timely plugs. I a 
big one, the first one that's very timely is because when this drops, if you are in the Portland area this weekend, I am actually performing at the All Jane Comedy Festival, uh, which is at the Curious Comedy Theater. And the best thing about it, reason why I'm bringing it up, I'm very excited about this, I conned them into letting me do a live D&D game at mm. the festival. Oh, awesome. And that nice. is on Sunday, September 30th at 2 p.m. at Curious Comedy Theater. And those tickets are at alljanecomedy.com or all org whatever look for all jane comedy on google you know, <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah so it's uh, it's all jane some dice at 2 p.m at the curious comedy theater and the other one is that i have a comedy special out right now on seat and spark it was their first original production and it's me and six it's like six comics total and we're all doing like a short set and it's uh it's called everything is fine and it's on seat and spark which is like a live it's like a it's a crowdsourcing site for filmmakers but they are starting to get into like doing independent films and productions of their own and they have like a streaming service that's like two dollars a month and you can watch and there's a special on there so you said it's really fast uh seed and spark seed and spark seed and spark. yeah like okay. like like seed money to got spark it. an idea so got it, got it, got it. yeah it's a, it's a cool site like their whole thing is it's not unlike kickstarter but they're specifically focused on independent filmmaking they're a lot more hands-on with the people making the campaigns in there yeah like oh, it's, cool. you, you can get set up instead of it just being like oh i'm donating money it can also be like oh i'm donating equipment or i'm donating a place you can oh. shoot at and stuff so the, like that the original idea for it was to structure like a wedding registry yeah so instead oh, so you can go in cool. and tell someone you want specifically to pay for their stunt coordinator yeah okay and you, and you can like set up like if you want i think they I, they I don't know they still do it this way but i know that i donated money to one time where like i donated money specifically to their like location fund or whatever mm. whereas like i think maybe now it might still just be a big bulk i don't know but well, that's yeah cool. but they also yeah they idea. have resources and they have like they have their own streaming things so that if you make a short film and like, well, we're going to put it besides just throwing it on YouTube, well, I'll put it on this site so it can actually generate revenue because it gets like... They're very, yeah, they're very invested in their filmmakers and they want to see them succeed, which is different from everywhere else. Yeah. I also, and I, I don't joke when I say that. Yeah. Welcome to the Seed well, and Spark I, podcast. And yeah. I, I, also like, well, <laughs> yeah. I will say one more thing. I also like the way it's structured because you know your money... like on Kickstarter you just pick a number and then so much of the time then you see the same person come back later and be like we need money for post now and it's like on Seed and Spark since you have to like dictate what money goes where you're planning ahead Yeah. and you're like okay I need the X money for post and I know that now instead of running through all my money and then going oops oh they need something like that for video games so video gamers stop fucking over the Kickstarter community mm -hmm. they started they tried doing that with Fig but I don't think it took off yeah mm -hmm. Uh, all right, let's do a where have you been doing. I can go first. I, I read Batman Damned because that one's a little bit more timely than the one that I just did. Is deleted. that the one with the Batwang? It is the one with the Batwang. Um, <laughs> Which I was very excited about when he showed me. <laughs> that I is now the official name of it, the Batwang. Yeah. <laughs> so Batman and the Batwing with the Batwang. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will say he's rather well hung. Uh, go Batman. <laughs> like, a, um, like a bat. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he needs more going for him. Right, yeah. <laughs> no wonder uh, he's angry. That gravity is really pulling at him. Yeah, it's... <laughs> The, he he doesn't really have balls though. I thought that was kind of shocking. It's just a lot of wang and how like Batman. Yeah, right. He's just a dick without balls. <laughs> uh, but enough about his penis. Uh, I no, I will say this. I was tell telling John this before I recorded because we were kind of talking about it. We do talk sometimes. Like uh, it's a it, it's motivated. It's not just like hey, let's have Batman's dick in this for the hell of it. Like it actually, it makes sense if you read the book. It's not just gratuitous nudity. Like it is gratuitous. It's an artistic dick choice. Yes, it is artistic <laughs> dick choice. Uh, Swell, works, right? <laughs> um, but the book itself is actually really, really good. It uh, it picks up uh, somewhat after Batman has gone. I just got stabbed a whole bunch of times, and I'm falling in a river, and I don't know why I'm here. And John Constantine and Zatanna are trying to say, like, you need help because according to the news and that guy over there, you viciously murdered the Joker last night. And he's like, I don't remember any of that. And like, well, 
you did though, and it's a three issue run by the guy, like some of the the best writers in comics, uh, Brian Cavanaugh, and I don't remember his other name. Um, because I'm terrible. I'll put it in later. Uh, no, not in Brian Cavanaugh. It's Brian Azzarello. Uh, Jesus, I'm bad today. Um, but it's really, really good. Very, very, very beautiful art. Uh, and it just, it just works. Like I cannot recommend picking this up enough. And especially if you can still find it in its actual size, because uh, they are doing prestige size for the first run, where it's like magazine size, which means you can't bag and board it. You get a little annoyed by that at first. Yeah, it gets a little annoying, but it, like it works. Like the whole book is just beautiful, and I cannot recommend it enough. And if you've ever enjoyed comics, or even not, because you don't really need to know anything going into this one, this is the book to read right now. So good. Uh, that's it for me. Though. Um, my where I've been doing is uh, recently I decided to put on the Golden Compass movie, which I never actually saw. I didn't see it in theaters because everyone said it was atrocious. Uh, and then when I watched it, I was just kind of like, wow, they're shoving so much in so fast and all the like detail and subtlety and character motivations and interactions are just being blown over. And I was just like, you know what? I just need to reread the book because this is, so- it-, it ended up just kind of being empty. Like all the spirit and love of the book is just, they didn't, take the time to put it into the movie which i would imagine is exactly why it failed i mean but that was a lot of those movies back in like the 2000s we need a harry potter franchise yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah we need our next harry I'm potter i'm looking forward to the hbo series about it though i it's hope it's be good, good. I, think, I think it'll be good i hope so like really like explain it, everything and make it why all this stuff is important yeah, <laughs> i'll be I curious think... to watch that re- the remake happening as well as the avatar one coming just to see how That's they took Netflix, two two right? things that had not great movies retranslated again and yeah. Watchmen although I enjoy the Watchmen movie but it'll be interesting to see what the, <laughs> what the yeah. fuck well, it's easier, to make, it's easier like... to make a case for the quality of Watchmen versus yeah. Avatar the, or sorry The Last Airbender yeah, and sure, Golden sure. Compass speaking of Wangs Watchmen was a movie where I really didn't need to see that Wang the Blue I mean, Wang really didn't I it. enjoyed that just because I like to think about people who have to animate penises while going back and <laughs> they did forth. a bad job that thing defies gravity someone had to stare at that and be like is this accurate but he was on another planet without gravity right <laughs> No, he's, no, on, he's Earth, on Earth, and it's just lot. floating oh, around instead of flopping. <laughs> Penises flop, damn it. <laughs> he's I mean, but his, his gravity They'll all float, too. That's fair <laughs> point. Fair point. Yeah, he, yeah. And he did have balls, by the way. And he had balls, unlike, unlike Batman. Batman. Yeah. He had the balls to see things through. Oh. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Anything else about Golden Compass? <laughs> Any polar uh, bear balls? <laughs> no polar bear balls. They definitely did not animate those. Um, <laughs> they blurred them out. The young Bullshit. actress I actually thought was pretty good and could have been fantastic. They, you know, gotten the character better. It, it's just it's one of those where they just they had to have just thrown it together. Going, we need to get the Harry Potter crowd as fast as we can, and it's just. You don't make a good movie when you're chasing somebody else's tail. It was one of those movies that was not unlike Dark Tower, where it was like getting developed so much that it kept getting tweaked and tweaked and tweaked until it got ruined. And they're like, "Well, we already have the investment in this IP, so we're going to go ahead and throw it out there." But because I've read, I've read a couple of Wikipedia articles about like like what the process was like of getting it made and what the ending used to be and how it got changed and how they like couldn't figure out where to end the story for the movie version versus the book version and stuff like that. Yeah, I never even finished it. We had to go do something, and then I didn't have the motivation to pick it back up. Yeah, so. I watched part of it while you were like in the bathroom or something, and I went, "Meh, hard pass." Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really. even it doesn't even end where the first book ends. Like they actually cut out like all the sad stuff at the end of the book because they like thought it was a bad way to end the movie. So. <laughs> yeah. strong choices. Yeah, I highly recommend brave the book. choices. <laughs> I highly recommend the book series. Uh, His Dark Materials is amazing. Just don't watch the movie. Maybe the miniseries when it comes out. Emily, what about you? 
Uh, God, I watched this so much this week, but I'm going to talk about BoJack Horseman season, I think, five? Was five, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really, really appreciate what they've done with BoJack Horseman um, because it's a show that you think is just going to be this absurd comedy of ridiculousness, and uh, it actually is about a lot of shit. And uh, it's, a, I mean, they always talk about addiction, and they, they go there again this season. Um, but one of the things I thought was super cool that they started last season and, and have really uh, expanded this season is that Todd is asexual. And that's something you like never see represented ever. I mean, this is the first time I can never remember seeing an asexual like relationship explored on TV. And um, and, and for those of you who don't know, asexual is someone who uh, just doesn't really have a sexual desire. They they can be romantic. They have relationships. They just sex doesn't interest them. Um, and uh, sometimes they have sex, but not always. Um, uh. So they explored that and Todd, you know, got in a relationship with a girl who was also asexual. And what I loved was there was a period where they realized that they really weren't a good couple. And he was just like, I don't think we're really should be a couple. I think we're just together because we're both asexual. And she's like, yeah. Do you know how hard it is to find another asexual person who wants to date? Um, so, uh, they were talking about the need for an app, which there really is. Cause I have a couple asexual friends who are like, it's so hard to find someone. Everyone wants to fuck all the time. Um, but I appreciated that. And I thought this season was uh, pretty strong. Yeah. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Every time I watch it with you, I tend to get kind of sad. Mm. Yeah, it's a bummer of a show. Oh, it's just, it looks like it's going to be a fun show. It's And parts of it are fun, and then you'll be like, oh. oh a bummer, you say? That sounds wonderful. They did a good job <laughs> in the first season of like spoon-feeding you the pathos. Like It mm. started out being very, like yeah, just like satirical Hollywood yeah. thing. And then like like I think like six, seven episodes in, you're like, oh, that was a really heavy episode. And then like, the show just like has kind of like kept building on that vibe, which is great. Cool. Yeah, when they when they throw their punches, they they connect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, John, what about you? Uh, so I haven't been watching a lot of new stuff lately, but I've been listening to music on the on my commute, and I started listening music? to uh, music. Yeah, music. So, so I started listening to this uh, Nicki Minaj Queen because it's fucking awesome. It is. Yeah, uh, I've been listening to this band that it's I've heard of. Re- uh, you know, I've heard of these. You know, for a while, and I haven't really given it a chance. But it's uh, a band you might have heard of it, uh, called Nightwish. Oh, you started watching Nightwish? Oh no! You've turned you yes! on. Yeah, uh, and I started with that. De- you know, decades was the first one that came up. Yeah, why not? And uh, so I've been listening through that, and it's uh, it's definitely been a journey in that <laughs> album of just music I like now, like the version of the, that type of music I like now versus parts of it that I liked in high school. So it was like, oh, I remember. Oh, cool. Oh, it had something kind of for all my. Do you close ages. your eyes and imagine yourself floating on a dragon and fighting demons? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's How night. is that a yes answer? Because <laughs> it's Nightwish. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it's uh, your your hype carnival. is accurate. Oh my god. There's no letdown. I'm still sad. I was too pregnant to go to their concert. You've seen them live. I was there only once. It's I not still enough. Rem- I still remember you. I think you posted on Facebook about how sad you were. Yes, because when you're eight months pregnant, nothing's comfortable, and you can't go yeah. to a concert. Stupid babies. Yeah, that sucked. I was so upset we couldn't go to Nightwish. Damn. <laughs> Not everything crosses <laughs> over in a marriage. Interesting. Interesting. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. So I enjoyed it. Your wish was yeah. to see you <laughs> They'll uh, come back. They'll, they come back. Yep. Sam. They always come back. Yeah. And now you have somebody to go to the show with. Yeah. You and John. Have a good time. <laughs> and yeah. Sam. Sam. And Sam. Good. Yeah. That's great. All of you will have a great time. Yeah. And we'll save a little money by not having to pay for it. You can stay home with the baby. Yeah. Awesome. So much better. Yeah. Now we can take that responsibility from you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Riley, what about you? 
I saw the film A Simple Favor on Thursday night with a friend of mine, and it was a delight. Like, it was just very fun. It, it's uh, It's got some really, really good moments, and it. it's one of those ones where, like, I'd say for, like, the first act, and especially, like, the first half of the second act, you really don't know who's the bad, like, what's going on. Like, like they really do a good job of, like, there's a lot of red herrings. There's a lot of things that make you think, like... Oh wait, is like you, you like you you question which characters' motivations are like legit, which ones are things you're being misled on, like like if you have an unreliable narrator situation or whatever. And it's also just like the chemistry between Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively in the first half of the movie is like really fun to watch <laughs> because it's like it's like half animosity, half like just like fascination and appreciation. It could be just slight. It's there's a lot of like like almost like not even subtle flirting happening at some points, and it's it's very like as a queer girl it's like oh my god i need more of this happening <laughs> but uh it's a it's, it's not as queer as it as it seems like it should be based on blake lively's suits but and there's a couple <laughs> you know it's it's really fun it's an interesting thing to see paul feig kind of do a different genre of movie than he's like typically doing but it does have like it does fit the thriller progression but it also does have some pretty good funny jokes in it so um yeah and it's my friend aparna nonchalant in it and it was uh who's also been on bojack so oh nice uh, she plays his sister um yeah. But yeah, so it's uh, it's a cool uh, little little thriller romp. I really like Blake Lively, and I like that she yeah. kind of like she disappeared for a little while because Hollywood sucks ass, and now she's kind of coming back and she's doing more stuff. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's great because she's like, what was it, the shark movie, uh, The Shallows? She was fucking awesome in so that. She really won both of us over with that. Yeah, like I, I mean, I enjoyed Blake Lively because you know she's in Green Lantern, and everybody loves Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But seriously, Shallows, she was fucking awesome in that movie. She has these suits in this movie that are just like beyond like ex- like they're just mind blowingly good suits and like she has like the the suit that she's wearing in the trailer like she it's got like cuffs and like she like comes home and every single piece of this suit is a separate like there's not she's not wearing a shirt underneath her vest she's wearing like one of those like dicky kind of things that like you pull out and like so then like she has like just like her vest and then like she takes her jacket off and like she's just wearing like this vest and this pants and she has like cuffs that are like individual cuffs that look like sleeves coming out of her suit and it's it's just, it's just like amazing like yeah she's a, wardrobe department like. had a good time <laughs> yeah. there yeah she's lots of canes lots of like mm. watch chains and stuff like that and it's just it's a delight god I'm too lazy for fat it's <laughs> <laughs> one of those things. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it helps when you have a when you have a, uh, a you know wardrobe department. Who's yeah. there True. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also now thinking about the con- keeping continuity of all that shit. <laughs> well, I can't imagine because there are so many little pieces to her suits, and mm. yeah, I bet you somebody who had like the real patience could probably go through and go. Oh, her watch chain was yeah. actually this direction, and it was slipped up over this button <laughs> last time, and yeah, but it was good. Should we uh, should we start fighting? Yeah. Is it that Do time? It. Fight, fight, yeah, fight, yeah, fight. Yeah. Uh, so today, uh, in honor of Venom coming out, in case anyone on the table did not know why we were doing this at battle. I did. Oh, know yeah. Okay. Really Venom. Know. Got it. Okay. Um, oh wow. Even though Venom technically isn't a spinoff, uh, I don't know how they're going to make Venom without Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, weird. We'll see. I, I'm I'm cautious with how much I want to badmouth a movie that isn't out yet, especially because Chewie knows the guy who. Yeah. To... Chewie knows the guy who made it, so I should keep my critiques to a minimum yeah. but i will say it's not technically a spinoff but it did make me think of the battle of spinoff movie battles uh so today we all chose a movie that is a spinoff um so i'm just gonna say now that is not an argument i know some people might want to be like well this one might not technically be an argument they wouldn't have been accepted if they weren't a spinoff so we can just jettison that argument 
out the gate. And the other thing I will say, because we have a friend who uh, who's on our show almost every other episode and uh, is here quite often, who works for one of the companies that makes one of the movies on the table. Remember, everything we're saying today is in good fun. We're just trying to have a good time. <laughs> I have enjoyed parts, if not all of, every movie on this table. Uh, so I just want to say that before we start ripping them to shred. When you're debating, you don't necessarily always say your true feelings. You just want to win. Yeah, we're, we're in this to win this. So disclaimers are out of the way. I like all of these movies. I own two of them and I've seen all of them. Uh, okay. It's your show. Oh, who goes uh, first? Oh, that's right. I got to oh. do the timer because I have okay. it over here. All right. Um, what are the, let's see. What are the movies we got? Oh yeah. We haven't said what the movies are. It's your show. Well, then let's say what the fuck the movies are, Brian. All right, Chewie, what's your movie? Oh, I'm so Chronicles of Riddick. Lego Batman movie. Rogue One. Minions. All right. Um, I I want to hear Chronicles of Riddick. Do I have a timer? I'm going now. You're right. going. Chronicles of Riddick, guys, where we have Vin Diesel playing Riddick. And first we fell in love with him in Pitch Black which was a very surprisingly successful independent film. And then they decided everyone really attached themselves to Riddick. Why don't we make a movie about Riddick? So then they did. And it's completely bonkers, which is one of the reasons why I adore it. We have Riddick first hiding in a frozen planet, getting pursued by the mercs. He's got huge dreadlocks for some reason. And then he immediately goes to a desert planet, shaves those off because that's not really Riddick. And... There's so much atmosphere in this movie, guys. He fights a bunch of dudes by artistically covering up some candles, and suddenly those two candles lit up the entire room, and now it's pitch black. Again, pitch black. And fights them and wins, of course. One of my reasons I love this movie so much is because it also has Carl Urban in it, and Tandy Newton, Colm for Judy fucking Dench, guys. <laughs> Honestly, like, how do you get Judy Dench to be in this type of movie? He had to pursue her, like... Vin Diesel pursued Judy Dench and wooed Judy Dench. There is some charisma there, because who <laughs> woos Judy Dench? Uh, and she plays an elemental. She looks really cool flowing all over the place. And the editing in this movie is bonkers. If you don't have any, at least a little bit of ADD in you, you cannot keep track of what's happening. <laughs> Goodness, I was not ready to go first, apparently. I'm not going to win this battle. <laughs> oh, but essentially, you have a pretty good action movie. And, oh my god. This movie is so much fun. If you don't want to think, if you don't want to care about plot too much, if you don't want to care about good dialogue, and you're going in for like a B-movie schluck with an A-movie cast and an A-movie budget, you watch this movie because you're just going to have so much fun. Everyone's pretty. Everyone's greased up. Everyone is hamming it up on screen as much as they can. Tandy Newton plays one of the greatest, like, ultra villainesses I've seen almost ever because she is just slathering herself on the screen covered in snakeskin fabric looking amazing and she's trying to play the like the femme fatale like coercing all this uh, Carl Urban to do her bidding so eventually she wants to be queen you can totally tell she's making him do st stuff kill people get him out of her way so she can eventually kill him later that's a movie I would have loved to have seen but we didn't get uh Another spinoff. I mean, Opportunity People. I'm just, I'm just waiting. <laughs> you want to tear me down so much. <laughs> so much to say. And Kira is cool. Like, they don't really give her t that much to do, but she's fun. She's fun in a way. She's always telling Vin Diesel to stop 
being a dick, you abandoned me. I had to go do my own thing, and you're mad about what I did? Well, I'm sorry. You weren't here. You're an absent dad. And yeah, I mean, you've seen it. You know what? It's love it. It's just a fun movie. <laughs> I still wow. have another minute. What's like your favorite moment from it? Yeah, like what, what, what draws you to the movie? There's a fun part with the feeding time when they have these weird, like, uh, clay cannot kill a stone cats and they're like they're the greatest predators ever and then they have a staring contest with riddick and they become best buds and suddenly he has a kid kitty sidekick for a second and then they get rid of him but they're there all right so this is our five minutes to uh, attack it i'm not sure how much we really need to try on <laughs> i'm this. sorry yeah. i know uh, this is i don't agree that it's a spinoff i know your argument for it but in my opinion there's three movies the same character is in all three of them he's a pretty major character in all three of them and also uh, i would argue that like they may have wanted it to be a spinoff but then rob Tui doesn't know how to make anything but one story apparently so like in this movie with all this opulence and all this Judy Dench and all this, you know, all this stuff happening, it ends up being another, we have to get across this planet and avoid this weird natural disaster movie for like a good third of the movie. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, your, I like your fancy fantasy and space veneer you're putting on it, but you're really just remaking Pitch Black and putting it on a prison planet. so many movies. But that's a sequel. That's that, what I'm saying. Except like, the, if, and the then sequel the is, is the same a thing. movie that involves more things than just one character that everyone attached to before. Because it's a spin-off, they never die. planned to make this movie. So if the other characters die... Well, that happens with lots of sequels. Oh, this movie was a big hit. We're going to make another one. We're, mm. Hangover was a huge hit. We're making Hangover 2. And it's in Thailand. They don't usually change tone completely, though. But they didn't. They, they, I'm saying they, they kept the same tone. plot oh, no, no, device, no, 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 but they no, no. changed tone hold completely. On, hold on. They did change tone completely, and that's why this movie blows. Like, the Pitch Black is one of the best modern uh, horror sci-fi movies made and I don't even know how long and what we got was a militaristic community of people who were like with a prison ship that got crash landed on a planet with a whole bunch of badass aliens and a dude that was so scary that he removed his own eyes to get eyes to see in the dark and then they take out the one awesome thing about Vin Diesel that he got his eyes removed to get a shine job so he could see in the dark and just made it no he's a Furian that's just part of his race so they not only made a shitty sci-fi movie they retconned all the cool shit out of pitch black but you can make it even worse well, that's I mean that's what Highlander Two is. It's still a sequel to Highlander, and it ruins the movie. Yeah, and that's and this like movie just Mortal Kombat ever... Annihilation is a sequel to Mortal Kombat. It's a totally different movie. But I'm saying that like it's still ultimately all and like it it never figures out what it wants to be. It never figures out if it wants like the editing AD and D thing is like for me it's like. That's because they don't know what movie they want to make. Like, they like, thought they were being deep. They were doing all these quick cuts where they had like slight frames of different shots in there. It, yeah, they were trying one, to fight it, club at a set. When I one saw scene it, alone, everyone in our theater complained to the theater and got our money back because we thought that an editing mistake was like the the film broke during the movie. Like we actually like, hey, like five minutes this story just went away and everyone's like, ah, oh, and then we got we all got our money back because the theater thought it was a mistake too. So and they last Jedi did. <laughs> yeah, and oh, then, the sound whoa. went out. You're not helping. And then let's also hey, edit. No, I'm talking about how. People were dumb and thought oh, that was okay. uh, an accident. Kira ruins the best character. One of the best characters in Pitch Black is Kira was like a girl who was presenting herself as a boy, and so it's like this cool, tough girl. And then like in the movie, they made her like they they recast the actor as a hotter, like sexier version, and they made like oh she's Kira now. Like they made her like a high, like they made her like a very stereotypical like big boobed action hero. See, I was uh, just talking about how this movie is just fun schluck, and you guys wanted a deep dark movie like the first one I'm like, it's not what it is I know I would have been fine with the fun stuff but the things that they did with it I, I did not want to just watch the sun rising over a planet and essentially have what is pitch black but happening almost the opposite when now it's like instead of being in the dark you can't be in the light like that's and, basic and then because Riddick 
then try There's to so like, many movies that do that exactly. No, but I don't even. I, my but, thing but is, I, I and I would. But that, that's that, that's true. But I wouldn't argue that one that does it means that it's the best movie. And my thing that, is, I don't <laughs> even care that whether or not it's a sequel. I, I don't give a shit. Like the the fact of the matter is, I want a good movie. Like I want the fun, schlocky movie that you're talking about because this movie isn't that. The moments that have that are great. And then the shitty filmmakers kind of went every now and then went. Well, maybe this scene should be really serious and sci-fi. That doesn't work in the movie that you're trying to make. And then I just need to bring up just one line that, like, this is supposed to be a very serious scene. And I had to stop it and write the line down because it's so horrible. I kind of love watching this movie so, with my husband, by the way, oh, because he gets so <laughs> mad. And then I, I, he gets well, so well, mad when I enjoy it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So this is a line that Vin Diesel delivers to somebody, try to help him break out of prison. When it happens, it'll happen fast. Stay on my leg when I cut fence or stay here for the rest of your unnatural life. And the guy replies with, nobody outs this place. What the fuck are you talking about? This <laughs> movie is- They're trying to be cool. It's what painfully I was gonna say awful. I think that they were trying to pitch it as a potential spinoff, like a whole- He wanted it to be like a new trilogy. With like, he wanted it to be like, Pitch Black was the Hobbit, so this is Lord of the Rings. But you can't do that if Bilbo is one of the main characters of the first movie. And also, I think that it was intended to be a, a spinoff, and then all he knew how to do was make a sequel to the movie he already made. You're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Who goes next? I want to hear John talk about Minions. Okay. In a complete 180. Yeah. And now for something different. Uh, the What I really like about Minions, first and foremost, is uh, just the idea that it's about uh, searching for family and uh, a, found, a sense of found family. Uh, the intro is kind of a hilarious and effective way that it kind of presents that as they try to find their, their big boss. And kind of their existence is wrapped up on that and kind of delving into that, you know, the family you find. Um, I really like that uh, they don't, even though they don't speak human language, they can somehow in this in this mo- movie they re- they remain understandable and relatable. And at first you think like, oh, this is like they're gonna make a, a movie about the minions from Despicable Me. That doesn't like, okay. They're 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 cute, but can they sustain it? And I think they can. Um, and it's for the fact that they really kind of layer them in their search for a place to belong and a sense of that what that means. Um, I like that. Uh, the person that they gravitate to immediately is the character of Scarlet Overkill as like this kind of badass woman with a, a, a fashion forward, mind you, like a rocket dress that is super, I mean, rocket dresses sound pretty cool. Um, and what's interesting about her character is that it takes some not so obvious choices with her. Um, first is uh, with her husband, Herb Overkill, who never like calls into question her authority or like, oh, you're, you're like you're the best. He is kind of like her cheerleader, but he never questions it. He goes along with what she says, her plans for Dominion, even kind of if the plan might not work, he just goes with it. He's her kind of cue, her you know, equipment guy. But also, they have this love for each other or like this infatuation that is kind of interesting and not, you don't necessarily see it. And I think Sandra Bullock as Scarlet Overkill and John Hamm really kind of play that off of each other really well. Um, let's see. The... Uh, what's also interesting too is that the concept of the minions themselves is that being drawn to evil only to thwart it so they're kind of like these um uh, accidental good guys in a way but they're still kind of drawn to that evil and they're able to find these bad guys and uh, the beginning montage is, is so great for that and it also kind of helps separate it from just being this is another another despicable me it's more like this is focused on kind of their their journey and having the the narrator the voiceover in the beginning too kind of coupled with that i generally don't always care about voiceovers but it just makes this thing feel distinct and different um the music 
always a good touch and they said it in the, the late 60s so it's like solid musical choices and a solid soundtrack and it really works and sets the vibe um uh king bob is pretty amazing and there's a like when he kind of takes his throne and does his little speech in front of everyone they don't get it he's like a king of bob and everyone freaks out and he drops the mic it, it's all very great but his arc is also very interesting in the story too and at first he's very tentative and like afraid and by the end he's taking his crown that he's given by the queen and giving it to scarlet overkill and corner in sort of a you lost but here's a redemptive kind of like i don't know it was a weird kind of um a weird gesture that you don't see in villains and hero kind of back and forth and kind of a, a level that it was kind of sweet. And it was uh, also very interesting that uh, they throw a little uh, monster movie kind of giant kaiju element in there too. And they have some fun with that. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, on a technical side, Minions is also edited by a woman. So that's pretty cool. Um, and... I don't know, I'm just really impressed with what they managed to do with something that seems like a cash grab. Like, we're just making this separate to get more money, but here's all these kind of more nuanced choices. And uh, I really think that's really kind of effective, great, and kind of what makes it the better uh, spin-off at the table. Uh, so that's our five minutes to say why he's wrong. Um, my major thing with this movie is that you, you, you nailed it. You said it's a cash grab. That's what it is. Um, they might have had some good moments in there and some good story beats in there, but there's maybe 30 minutes of quality movie in this hour and a half movie, and the rest of it's just treading water. And that's why this movie drives me up the wall. Like, it's not that it's a, a bad movie. It's not that it does things poorly or has bad characters or any of that, except for Sandra Bullock just did not try. She slept walked through the whole entire thing and it drives me nuts because everyone else is like up as high as they can be and she's just kind of there. Um, but that's a whole different thing. But the, the fact of the matter is that we get to, like, the whole movie just exists to put the minions in a situation and just like, all right, now be funny. All right, we're just going to sit here. Are, are we out of jokes? We're out of jokes? All right, on to the next thing. And then we're right, going to put them in this situation. Be funny. Yeah. We're going to wait. It's a comedy genre that I'm not a fan of in general which yeah. is just like, here's it's a bunch of physical slapstick. jokes. Slapstick. Joke, yeah. pause, joke, pause, joke, pause. Yeah, yeah, it's like, just, all right, so it'd be funny if they're in the 60s. Put them in a small town in the 60s. Yeah. All right, get as many jokes out of this it's as like we can. It's like half-form sketches. Yeah. Like, it's like someone took the brainstorming room where they were thinking of jokes and then just put them all in as opposed to like, hey, what actually works for like a cohesive plot or yeah. what's what's the most fun? Just like, here's all the jokes we thought of. It's like when they make those uh, improvised movies where they just use every good, like just random like non-sequitur jokes yeah. that don't really fit the scene. And they also did one of my cardinal sin things. Where they tell me we have a strong female character, guys, uh, but her entire essence is wrapped up with wanting to be a princess. Uh, she steals jewelry, and her special powers have to do with fashion. Like, so you have a strong female character, except you just still played into every trope about but the, but a woman. But the movie allows her to ever. do that, though. Well, not, not she's, her entire both. essence is wanting to get something shiny and then to be a princess. Like, how is that? strong and empowering if that's the just the trope refashioned again selling the same thing to girls but being able to choose that to be able to have that like to take over the world and be fashionable is I that guess, is, 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 but is it wrong it's still the same motivation aspect? for a female it's not really building anything new but it never counts against her as being a negative either no one treats her fashion as a weakness it's always kind of Filmed as like this like, badass that's thing. Not the, but it's still that's her the obsession. Argument. Like the argument yeah. isn't whether or not it's treated as a, a weakness. The argument is the motivation. That's that's all that she is. Is she's a girl and she wants to have high fashion and she wants pretty things. I mean, I agree with what like you're Sandra saying. Bullock's character yeah. in Ocean's Eight wants to steal jewels, but she wants to steal jewels because she's trying to craft the perfect crime. It's not oh, I want the shiny, pretty thing because I'm a pretty lady. 
And this one, it's just I want to be repackaging yeah. the same tropes. And like, and on top of that, like the the Sandra Bullock character is like problematic in tons and tons of ways, and it's just kind of like. I don't understand. It felt like a half-formed idea of a character that they just kind of went, "All right, we're good, right?" Well, no, we need to spend time like developing like like backstory or anything. No, no, we're just gonna go ahead with it. All right, uh, Sandra Bullock, you available? Cool. And it just it never connected. Like so, we have three minions that have somewhat personality. They're minion personality, but they're a little bit more defined, and that's fine. But then everyone else is just a horde, which is again okay, but it doesn't really make me connect to anybody. So we have a villain that you don't connect to. Her husband, who's I mean, I love John Hamm, and I love funny John Hamm, and that's all he's there to do is to be funny John Hamm. And kind of like Austin Powers. Yeah, but like just every single person is just half-formed. So we never get an actual character, an actual arc, or actual anything. We just get almost there. So it's almost more annoying because everything's a tease. Everything's like, hey, wouldn't this be awesome if we did this? All right, we're not going to, but it would be cool, right? And then it's like, well, yeah, it would have been. But like any one of these situations that you just plunked them into, you had enough material to make a whole movie but instead, you just wasted it on five minutes of jokes and moved on to the next. And one. they rehash joke. It's always fun to revisit a joke, but not to deliver it the exact same way over and over again, which is what they did as well. Yeah, it kills it's the really joke. lazy. Yeah, yeah. Because like I would have watched an entire movie called The Minions, where it was them on a road trip with that crazy ass family going to Villain Con, and then the whole thing is about getting to Villain Con. Mm. That's a movie, and it's an entertaining movie. Like, oh shit, turns out we're in a family of bad guys. And that could have been a plot to, like, an act two I twist. I loved that one. Like, there's so much cool stuff in that one story, but instead, like, no, nah, wouldn't it be cool if the minions fired a rocket launcher and killed a whole bunch of cops, and then we're just going to move past it as if it didn't oh, happen? But I even Done. like the little girl, like, I messed up, daddy. It's okay, honey. It's your first robbery. Yeah, like, or whatever there's he said really cool That's cute. In That's there. great. Yeah, but then we just leave it. And it's like, there, that yeah. was your movie. And that was yeah, a great come movie. come in to tickle me with, like, Rue already established as a villain, and it would have been fun to have have a movie that's more about like how villains like slowly work their way up like it might yeah like the the minions might have been like working with like a kid who's becoming a villain that's how they like oh they nurture his villainy yeah Yeah. that would have been cute like there's so many things they could have done and instead they did none of them and just did a sequence of jokes for an hour and a half defend go still connected by three compelling characters (laughs) (laughs) oh wow (laughs) you guys are making this easy so far (laughs) Who, go, who goes next? Okay, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, well, I like these zigzag things, so let's go to Rogue One next. Okay. Oh, I had to finish this. <laughs> well, I wanted, like, action movie, comedy, nope. animated comedy, action movie, animated comedy. It it's makes more sense. fun that way. We're just, just going back and forth. Trying to bring this home with Lego Batman is going to be difficult, bring but I look home. forward to it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Okay, so what I like about Rogue One is that it's the – so. What Star Wars is really interesting about when it's at its best is its ability to take other types of movies and put them into this fantasy space universe, a space opera universe. And we've seen so much of that. Like the, the original trilogy is such like a samurai film kind of thing or like the like the hero a thousand faces kind of story. Whereas Rogue One does that same exact thing, but with a war movie concept. So you've got all of your typical tropes you would have in a war movie. So some of the characters occasionally feel a little bit stereotypical or a little bit like two-dimensional but it's because they're based on that exact thing which you see in a war movie and i think that for a a series of films that is called star wars i feel like rogue one to me gets the closest to depicting what a war in the stars looks like because the entire third act of that movie once they get on scarif and they like are plotting their whole thing of breaking into the facility and then the rebels arrive and there's this whole battle between the rebels and the empire that to me is the single best 
space battle that happens in these movies. And when you have the combination of the like guerrilla warfare on the ground that's like actively trying to give an advantage to the rebel ships in the sky, you have these moments like crashing ships into the the like the locked base like entrance to like so you have these like sacrifices that you're having and no one was prepared to have this battle so they're all suddenly like kind of scrambling to figure out what their strategies are. That's really interesting to me. On top of that, I think that Jen Erso is a really fun lead character. I would have liked them to have built her up a little bit more, so I'm gonna I'm gonna poke that defense a little bit because I do I was so excited for her in the trailers and I wish there was a little bit more of her, but I still do like her and I like that she is someone who is in a rebellion and I like that that shows that especially in these stages of the rebellion there is not this cohesive, like, perfect idealism that Rebellion has. There are these factions of it that kind of conflict with each other and have, like, arguments over what means justify the ends they're going for. Because there is this element of, like, if we do become as bad of an insurgency, if we, if we become as, as laissez-faire on, on human existence and or, or life existence, because it's not all humans, it's aliens. But this idea that if we – if all we can do is just do – as equally horrible things to fight our enemy, are we not as bad as they are? And there's that element to it with the spying and the murdering and stuff like that. But also, so in Star Wars, the motion picture, we we do understand that the Empire is bad because they're like, they have stormtroopers, there's a big guy in a black suit who can choke people to death and they blow up a planet. But the most, that, that blowing up the planet mostly happens off screen. Like we see the planet, but we don't see the effect that it has. Even on Leia, like she's sad, but we don't see like the aftermath of the lives that are being affected by that. So that's an element of it. But then at the end of Revenge of the Sith, we see the, the Republic fall and the Empire take over, but that's where the movie ends. Rogue One is the first time in these Star Wars movies that I feel like we really get a legitimate view of how oppressive life is for day-to-day people under the Empire. Because when we get to Jeddah, like, we see that storm, that Star Destroyer just parked in the sky above this temple. We see people trying to, like, live in this town, but they're, like, under occupation. Like, you see the physical presence of the Empire in a way that I don't think that we really do in other Star Wars movies, because we're almost always seeing them from, like, oh, they're attacking a military base, or they're coming in to do this, and, like, there's a quick fight scene, and they go, they go elsewhere. Whereas in this one, it's like, this is, like, a day-to-day life of these people and like there are people in these like city planets that are like sneaking down alleyways to try to talk to each other and like one guy is gonna kill another guy to escape rather than like risk the information he has getting to these enemies so that's a thing that i think that is for a series of films that is called star wars and that is based in the premise of there being this oppressive empire that is like choke holding all these planets i think that it's great to finally have a movie that really shows you just from a personal point of view what that is like so that is fun and then i also like the uh, k2so as the the droid that is on the the ship that they're using because he's a reprogrammed imperial droid and i think there's a lot of talk in star wars movies about like or around Star Wars movies, I should say, about, like, how much agency droids have, and, like, are, like, whenever, like, like, in, to go to Solo real quick, there's a whole thing about, like, does this droid have consciousness? Was she programmed to behave this way? Could you just, could you just erase a droid and, like, restart them and have them be the same character? And I, my fan theory on droids is that their personality is made up of kind of the combination of the experiences they're having with their programming and how they marry and stuff like, am I done? Yeah, done. Okay. Joey, you said you had a good argument. I don't want to step on your toes. Well... (laughs) 
Uh, this is one of the ones where it's going to be like, all right, I'm going to pull against myself with these arguments here. The <laughs> uh, one thing, a couple of things in this movie, actually. Um, K2SO, since you ended on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one issue with this movie with that is how is the droid more emotionally versatile than some of the main characters? That is one thing that has always kind of annoyed me. He has more better beats. He has better moments than a lot a of the other characters. Why, better should arc. why should a droid have a better arm? Like, why should droids but, be I mean, less it's of It's one him? of those things where he's surrounded by all these uh, flesh beings, essentially, where normally it's not his they movie. want those yeah. to be the enemy of, like, the three or actually two main characters. And in the send-off, I actually cried more when Kay died than when they died. Yeah, I just don't think of that as a flaw because Kay's an important... I, well, I don't think droids are less important It's just kind of a characters. weird thing in this movie. But I don't think it's but, his movie, which is kind yeah, of that's, unfair to the main character. Yeah, I have no problem with... Because like, I would say C-3PO is arguably the main character in Star Wars. He's the point character One of, of the everything. main characters. Yeah. But you, there could be an argument for him being the main character, and I'm fine with that argument. Like, I'm not sure if I agree hey, with hey, it, hey, but I'm We're tearing I, I'm it down, honey. You're no, not... I'm, t- I'm talking about Star Wars, not Rogue One. So I'm okay. saying that the problem is this one, it is not K2SO. I should not feel more for him dying than I do the main characters, because to me, that just tells me that I spent more time with him than I did with Jin and Kalen. Yeah. See, I feel, and... my, my defense of that point is that I think that Jin and Kalen are soldiers. Like, they've always been part of this rebellion their whole life, so them dying for their cause is kind of See, what that they doesn't work because Jin doesn't even she's never actually a rebel she's doing all this for her dad but she was in Saul she was in Saul's group so she actually she was, was a rebel she was in Saul's group because she had no family and she was picked up by him and then later abandoned but by him but that's still him. why she that's still she was never she a rebel has. she was always just following the men yeah, she, she never, was following Saul and then she was doing something that her daddy told her to do she never fully had agency and decided to be there until the end of the movie, which again is, and is she fine. Still but it's just, so when she gets the agency told decides to, to do it, then she decided she when she was there, it. and that seems kind of like, well, you could have decided before. And she I'm could have, but I'm saying that what I'm saying is that she still dies in cause a cause she believes in. And it caused because never she's had doing what her dad he told repro- her to do. But that's the same as K two. K two was reprogrammed by the rebels to fight on behalf of the rebels. So, so then he doesn't really have sentience or agency either. Which is why you feel worse for him when he dies because he's being forced to die. So and it would be one thing if it was just K two that was the most had the most emotional death than the main characters but then you have Donnie Yen's character who I was way more sad for him dying too I was partner, very, yeah. I was stabbing all like, the he actually when had he the, was on died. screen it was he actually great. had the the best death because he for that one moment was actually connected to the force yeah, yeah, yeah it was but, so amazing but my, but my major thing is that again this is a problem with an, with the movie and every movie he's ever made and I, I get, don't get me wrong I like him as a director but he shoots way more than he intends on putting in a film way 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 more if you hire him you're going over budget it's just a guarantee but because of that he can give all of these wonderful characters full arcs these wonderful storylines that we're never going to see and in the editing process he trims it down so much that you have to watch you miss them. it you you miss out on things and you might pick up on it after multiple viewings but in your one go you're going to walk away going i really liked this character yeah and everyone else just isn't there and it's not and I want to say that's a good thing because it gives you a reason to rewatch it, but it really means that we're missing out on stuff. Like, he's just not doing his job of getting everything done in the time frame. He gets it done in a four-hour time frame for a movie that Disney will never allow to be released, that he would never allow to be released, and we're just kind of screwed. And on second rewatch, I started to notice that it did, like, I could see seams. And that was, yeah. like, the first time I watched it, there was a hype behind it that I could kind of ignore this, but this movie did feel kind of disjointed. Suddenly, like, halfway through the movie, uh, over halfway through the movie, I'm like, Oh, she's suddenly like acting like a rebel. She's acting like one of them. But that conversion scene, like I had to remember, like, oh, I guess it happened when she saw the video of her dad and then she just decided and then decided to be emotive about it later. Like there's some weird logic leaps that I think needed the more in between. 
Yeah. That didn't that shouldn't have been cut out. But with a movie that you film so long, you have to cut it out. And I deal with this all the time with people who overshoot and under like and I have to overcut. It's yeah. like you just I guess lose I the get that. It. I'm saying out of all the movies that we've had on the table so far today, I think the that the one's biggest flaw is that there's too much good stuff to include into one movie. I feel like that's not but, as much of a neck but, 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 yeah, I compared, say that about compared every to the editing about Riddick. I mean, compared to but the editing, it's like, but it's like to, they picked the compared to uh, Minions, where the problem is like they just kind of like shoved filler in to yeah, fill the it's, time. It's I think easy when like, you phrase it like there's too much good stuff. But I'm not saying there's not, but I'm saying that the issue is there's always great things that are left on the table because we had to get it to fit into one movie. One is the, better than the other two movies. So one far. of the most glaring, like shoehorned in, why is it there? And then it's left immediately is Borgulet. Borgulet. Oh, oh no! I will fight. Like, I will fight. Bor- Borgal is the hill that I will die on. It's the weird Star Wars Muppet that comes in. Yeah, it's fantastic. But even it doesn't even work because the thing that <laughs> we're out of time. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> The thing they say it does, it doesn't even do. No, we're out of time. No, hang on. <laughs> we had to stop talking about your movie. We're not going to get to have defenses oh, about mine afterwards. And so do we. I we got cut off on point. ours. Yeah. <laughs> Is it time for Lego it's Batman? It's not fair. <laughs> Clocks are bitches. We're going to end on Lego Batman. <laughs> okay. Bring it, Brian. Bring it home, honey. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that. All right. Can we, we talk go. about Batman? Can we talk about Batman? Um, so my timing has started. Uh, so here we go. The idea for a spinoff in my mind is there's a movie where something works and it works so unbelievably well that like, yeah, I bet we can make a whole movie out of that. Enter the Lego movie and we have the character Batman. And Batman connects with an audience already because he's fucking Batman. And then he does, Will Arnett does such a good job with the character Batman that they honestly went yeah, we can make a whole movie out of this. And it really, I mean, Lego movie in itself is a cash grab. Like that's just, you understand that it is a commercial for Legos the second you buy a ticket. So I just, knowing that going into Lego Batman, you know, like, all right, so we're here to sell some Legos Batman. Okay, cool. I got that. I can move forward with it. Uh, Within that, this movie manages to be both a celebration of the Lego movie, a celebration of Batman, and a celebration of, like, family. And it does it all very well as, like, having a gargantuan party that everyone is invited to. And I'm still kind of surprised they pull it off because uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Lego movie. Like, I was the first time I saw it, and then every other rewatch I've kind of gone, yeah. there's parts that work, there's parts that don't. I've enjoyed every rewatch of Lego Batman the same amount that I enjoyed it the first time. Um, which I think speaks largely to the characters. And I think they did a very good job making Batman uh, a horrible fucking dickhead that nobody should be friends with until he has to fix himself. And I think that's the best version of Batman. Like, I like that Batman is somebody that is he can't be fixed. Like, there's no external force that will make Batman a better person. He needs to do it himself. He can have all of the building blocks <laughs> uh, to have that. And it won't work unless he chooses it. And I think that's a very realistic thing and a relatable thing. And it happens in this movie because he gets uh, Dick Grayson. He has Alfred. He eventually has Barbara Gordon on his side. uh, And he has all these people that want to help him and want to be friends with him. But he's just a horrible asshole. And it's not until he locks everybody away and tries to play the hero card and goes to do things on his own, has to see people without him trying to do his fight for him. that he's like, oh, shit, I'm the problem. And I like that uh, this very kids movie, literally there to sell us toys, has an actual emotional punch where somebody has to grow up and be the bigger person and be the better person. And it works. And it works in a way where he has to tell Joker that he's, for the longest time, no, you're just one of my villains. I'm just kind of fighting around a little bit. Like, I'm not in love with it or I'm not in hate with any one villain. And he has to admit to the Joker, like, 
no, you you are my arch nemesis. We 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 do hate each other a whole bunch, and it's like touching, and it's sweet, and it's kind of nice in a very weird sort of. All right, the Joker's gonna go murder half of the city now because you admit that you're buddies. But I like that because it's still Batman. Like, there's so much of the stuff that just is the character Batman, and they do a great way of showing love to Batman throughout all of the ages. They go to the '60s, they go all the way up to Batman versus Superman, which was questionable, but whatever. Um, and I like that when they go to the Adam West Batman, they just throw all the Legos out and they just show a clip of Adam West dancing. Like, it's just like the the movie knew what it was from the beginning, and because of that, it was able to have fun. Um, and it, it's and that's kind of what the whole thing comes down to is it's just for fun and i think that was something that even on my first watch i kind of missed because when i think of batman i think of one of my favorite characters in anything ever so i go in expecting a batman movie which was not the right way to go about it uh especially when like the first thing that we get is a nolan-esque uh robbery of a plane that's filled with bombs and the plane is called MacGuffin air and it's like I should have cued into it immediately. Like, oh no, this isn't what I expected it to be. This is going to be a Lego movie, but just overdressed with Batman. And that's entirely what it is. So we have the Nolan-esque thing. They even pull on like a Hans Zimmer-esque score where it's totally like they're taking down this plane just like a Nolan movie. It has all like the beats like a Nolan movie. And then it moves into this crazy Lego thing from there. And then then all the villains start coming in and they list off like every B and C list villain that they can possibly think of. And I like that even even the movie's self-referential was like, I feel like you made some of those up. No, they're all real. Probably worth a Google. And they are totally real. Even Condiment King, who's the worst fucking villain ever. Or Kite King that Tom King just totally made a... Vi- or Kite Man, who Tom King just made a totally legitimate character and awesome in the current Batman run. You should totally read it. Um, but they, they just went fucking bonkers with everyone to voice these villains, including, and this is my favorite one, they got uh, Doug Benson to voice uh, Bane because on the podcast, Doug Loves Movies, he mocks Bane every single episode. And they knew that, and they went and got him, and they got him to be Bane in this. And I just, just the fact that they had that knowledge of like nerd culture and what Batman means to people, and they're able to put it into this movie, which is essentially a love letter to both the fans of Batman and to Batman himself, I think is amazing, and everyone should watch it. That's my time. <laughs> All right, go for it. So the Batman in this movie, I understand it's a Lego thing. My biggest complaint is the response to this movie. I had so many friends that went, this is the Batman we deserve. This is the Batman I've been waiting for. I love this Batman. This is the best Batman movie ever. And I'm just like, this is a self-aware, like self-mocking satire of Batman. And this is the thing, what you think is the best Batman? What's wrong with you? I never once said it was the best Batman, for the record. But it was just the the, the amount of anger I actually had after seeing this movie because of other people's responses soiled it in a way because I love Batman so much. And there's things that are enjoyable in this movie, but it just brought a certain amount of fandom from itself that made me mad. No, no parody me, will ever be the best version of a movie ever. That's not that's not I what think, this movie is trying to yeah. be though. I think my issue with it as a parody is the same issue that I have with like like the Ghostbusters reboot, which is that I think that sometimes when a parody's joke is just, "Huh? This thing?" I get um, and I think this movie is so full of that kind of thing. Like your your example of like, "Here's all my villains. Yeah, they're all real. You can google it." Like that's funny 
but it's also like I feel like it's a whole movie of that. It's a whole movie. Like, isn't Batman weird, you guys? And I that after a while, it grates on me because I'm like, yeah, Batman is really dark and brooding to an obnoxious level He's sometimes. Kind of bipolar. Yeah, and it feels like that's kind of the well that everybody goes to when we're making fun of Batman. So I didn't feel like it. I do like that it kind of like does actually go to the the, the realm of like, oh, maybe we can fix Batman at the end, yeah. or he can fix himself. But up otherwise, I feel like it's just trotting the same formula over and over yeah. again. And I feel like. Even with Will Arnett as the voice, I kind of feel like to call back to where we are this week or where we're doing this week, whatever it's called. <laughs> I think that what Arnett is doing with BoJack Horseman is what he's doing with Lego Batman. But I think he does it a million times better with BoJack Horseman. So I kind of feel like Lego Batman is a shorter and a little bit more like like trying too hard version of what BoJack Horseman does but so effectively. I, I would agree with that, but the fact of the matter is that the Lego movie is not made for us to talk about uh, depression and addiction and asexuality and all these things. Lego yeah. movie is literally there to sell us Legos. Like, okay. So the fact that we get anything else on top of that, to me, is gravy. And I think the fact that we got even a comparable performance to BoJack Horseman out of Will Arnett's Lego Batman is incredible. Like the fact that you can even make that leap, I, I think mean, it's the is same impressive. actor. It's not, it's not a leap when the same actor is doing a but voice. But it's a totally of a, different character. character. Totally. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. I don't like, think it's. it's a, oh yeah, the rich playboy who is who is lonely and pushes people away. What a totally different character. I think that's where it falters for me. Is that <laughs> is Bojack Horseman Batman? No, he's horseman. He's horseman. <laughs> horseman. <laughs> he's horseman. Is that like for that the uh, the horseman. arc at the end, the change, the uh, transformation of his character, uh, never seems to uh, make sense because uh, like I don't see the di- like there's not a difference established between Bruce Wayne and Batman. He's just Batman as Bruce Wayne, and there's like they keep him in joke territory for as long as they need to to get the jokes out of the way before getting to the heartfelt stuff. And I feel but, like in the beginning, at least in the beginning, they really start to kind of they push that aside for the joke of like you said, look at this. Um, but I want to specifically address Barbara Gordon, who they do the wild style thing with her that the Lego movie did. And it was kind of unfortunate because they start off as being like, I'm going to clean up crime and everything. But then she takes a bat seat to Batman the rest of the time. And he always talks down to her as the joke. But the joke is also the thing he's doing, which I always like, okay, did, are we going to transcend that wild style joke? From the first they did so much better with Barbara Gordon than they did with wild style. Like that's so true. much better. But that's better. a sharp curve and it's not, yeah. it's not, you're not yeah. winning the race now. You're just a little bit further along. Sure, but I'll yeah. take that further along than what they did with wild style. At least Barbara true. Gordon is a character who has agency for like five minutes as opposed right, to but no they still had to make minutes. her a love interest of Batman. Yeah, I've never yeah. liked Barbara Gordon being a love interest yeah. ever. Like we couldn't just have her be an effective character. It has to be, oh no, she's Batman's new girlfriend now. And well, by the end of the movie, he says they're just friends. He gives up on the romantic thing he realizes he was wrong with that so he does have that he grows up and he leaves it behind like that is not where it ends with them being girlfriends it ends it starts with him going if it I ended with them being girlfriends i'd be all about it like, <laughs> true transgender it batman and a lesbian lover like i am here for it it's all, i would it's, totally watch that that's movie the next but, one with that yeah. woman and, that's yeah. the real batman yeah, yeah. and it's, it's interesting just um is like when he, t- he starts to build a family at the end but at the same time he is so cruel in the beginning to robin that it, it can't help like, the, it's like it's kind of like the the thing he has to overcome becomes part of the joke as well yeah. it starts to kind of muddle that a little bit at least yeah. in the beginning where it's like you know uh, no hope but no then hope. it gets better it's like when, it's like when they, death race yeah. ends with like hey by the way violence is bad but like, they spend more time you're saying that? they spend a lot of concentrated time on him putting Robin down yeah and it's very weird like as, as a, a thing to sell toys and it's funny to kind of be so cruel and then suddenly change your mind and be better. Well, they yeah, had some weird. moments, but he does of, get better. That's the yeah. point. Oh. He gets better. They had. That's out of time. Ah, <laughs> I kept trying to get my thing in there, <laughs> and I kept trying to steamroll. That's what yeah! Sam. Pedophile yeah, joke. I was about to say that is like Sam's <laughs> mo. It's just to keep fucking talking. That's it. 
Okay, so now I do the. Whew. Now I get to do a speech. You can do you a speech. Say you what you liked and disliked about I all will. of us. Okay. Uh, I always love how, this is why I wanted you to go first. I always love how passionate you get because you're so excited. I know. I, I'm so deflated um, today. But even then, you were pretty excited. And you did point out one thing, which no one else went after, but uh, you pointed out there are pretty people in the Chronicles of Riddick, which is very much a thing I care about. <laughs> um, how do you go after oh that? It has Carl Urban the, in it. No, it's <laughs> one of the reasons. Yeah, I know, but nobody else mentioned they're pretty it people. It is one of the I'm reasons that Carl Urban's on uh, my chest. Yeah, someone yeah. goes after Carl Urban, and you're like, well, bullshit. You're lying. You can't it, fake that. You can't fake being against him. It hurts my soul when people don't understand how attractive he is. Yeah, he's very attractive. R.I.P. almost human. Um... Oh, right so mm-hmm. good uh and and you're right chronicles of riddick is kind of a fun watch if you just shut off your brain but uh yeah that's not, that's not good enough to win it's just like well this movie's pretty terrible but it's fun and has pretty people in it i do enjoy the scene where riddick like stabs somebody and then stabs somebody and then stabs somebody and stabs somebody like he walks forward they all just, just stand there like yeah. here's my head no. yeah. <laughs> Brings me to one of the things that I forgot I was supposed to talk about is how the machismo in the movie is so cheesy and amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's not a good I do and like the way he plays off he pays off the like the guy who can like step out of his own body and like step and like the, he uses that against him later yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was yeah. Pretty yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. movie, guys. Terrible. It's a great movie. Yeah, okay. So, All right, well let's not, let's, not, let's not use words we don't mean. Yeah. No, but there's lots of movies that are like really fun to watch that I would say is like like I love Jupiter Ascending, but I would never argue it as like to win a battle anyway. oh, I, again i will bring up battleship because yeah. that's you know i can't not um and how much i love it uh okay so obviously not chronicles riddick and not minions either because john man you were so deflated in your arguments you were just like it's a good movie and everybody's like rah, 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 and you were like oh so <laughs> i feel a lot of passion coming off you i don't think you believe it's the best movie on the table I think that's just nerves, honestly. Okay. Your, it's th- more of a, your thumbs were trembling. Your yeah. thumbs were trembling. It's yeah. more of a performance thing. I, yeah. I deal with that. I just she patted play. him on the shoulder. I like you. F- for the audio. Every play. episode, you're getting better, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, you, so you, there's, did there's a great, you did a great logical argument. You had a lot of really good points, but then those points were pretty easily torn down, but yeah. you, didn't, you weren't prepared to come back at everybody. You were, like a mi- of... you were like a vi- villain who was being supported by the minions. You were easily <laughs> knocked down. <laughs> But we didn't kill you. Because like Chewie no. brought up pretty people, you knew to bring up that there is a female villain who's kind of badass, but then everybody kind of tanked that. So, uh, you know, that, but that's the thing that usually scores points with me. So that's, you know. I thought it was a pretty well calculated argument. Yeah, like, it oh, was. Go it for was, the women thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a very logical argument. The problem is like it was lacking the passion. Was, Chewie's all passion. Your, You're all yeah. logic. So if you guys can just like together, you would be a passion logic Voltron or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that leaves Lego Batman and Rogue One. I tried to be like really objective, even though Rogue One is one of my favorite movies and it does my favorite Star Wars movie. And I have a fucking tattoo in my arm, but um, so but I'm trying. I'm going as we're, my partner and I are going as Jenner, so insure it in way for Halloween this year. So I'm trying really hard to like be objective today, um, which is why I was actually kind of good that you guys didn't have like super strong arguments. <laughs> um, it made it easier. But uh, but yeah, Lego Batman. That was a really good argument. Obviously, Rogue One was a good argument, and you guys did a really good job of pointing out some of the problems that I have with Rogue One, which which is, you're right, that creature, he made a big deal about it, and then it did nothing, which is the point you were about to make He didn't the lose his mind. Yeah, nothing, ha- yeah, nothing came he of that. He was actually quite sane. Yeah, um, which maybe that was something that was on the cutting it room was. floor. Yeah, and that's a problem with the movie. Um, the fact that, uh, what, 
was it? Yeah, Jen's uh, sudden reversal. I I wish it had been more earned. Again, probably something on the cutting room floor. So that that is Again, a problem. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's the problem with the movie. But we also- need the Snyder cut of Rogue One, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see the Edwards cut of it. I'd be yeah. super excited. I'd watch the, a five hour version of it. No problem. Version. Yeah, yeah totally I would. I would pay to see a five hour version. I would have loved the Rogue One miniseries. Yeah. Oh my god! Because when I I will say that when I first saw the previews for it, I think I actually thought Rogue One was going to be more like what Solo was. Like, I thought it was going to be a heist movie. Mm. I thought it was going to be like there's, a, there's that shot in the trailer, the very first teaser. Oh yeah, where yeah, uh, you too. see Jin and she's wearing what ends up being the traffic director's outfit from uh, the the. The Empire, I told was like, oh, she's stationed on the Death Star while they're building it, and she's trying to get the plans for it. Like nope. that's what I thought was yeah, going to be the plot. The they trailer. shot that on a lunch break when yeah. they were standing near a hallway. When oh, yeah. this would be cool, we could put it in the trailer. Yeah. Well, Never the, intended. The trailer had a bunch of things that weren't in the what movie. The, well, they reshot like half the movie. I actually what like what do they do when trailers. they break you. <laughs> I actually like trailers that have scenes that aren't in the movie Me too. because then there's yeah. no spoilers. Oh, I'm yeah. fine then with it. I, I was sad to not have that shot of her like like scraping down that like platform and shooting a gun at a tie. I kind of hate it because then I spend the whole movie looking for that scene and then yeah. at the end of it I'm like what the fuck that's one of the reasons Marvel. why I don't watch trailers most yeah. of the time I know that, I don't watch trailers too. Okay, I, think okay, Marvel, okay. I think Marvel has started shooting fake shots for trailers just so Mark sense. Ruffalo doesn't accidentally spoil the movie because <laughs> <laughs> if you Holland. watch the trailer for Avengers uh, there's actually a shot of uh, the, Hulk. the Hulk running across Wakanda yeah. which is easy to do when you can just CGI a different yeah. monster in the that's, same scene it's actually just to uh, throw fanboys off Yeah, because apparently fanboys were able to start guessing the entirety of movies off Boys are assholes. Yeah. Um, some of them, uh, a lot of, most of them. Um, At least on the internet, definitely. Yes. Sorry. Um, so that like, okay, so Lego Batman, you have a really persuasive argument. You really made it sound cool, and then when everybody came at you, your defense was, it was supposed to sell toys, and it did better than that, which is not. It, you know, I was just like, I was really rooting for you. And then it was sort of like, hey, it's slightly better than a movie that's just about toy sell- selling. So I, I, I don't, uh, yeah. That's we, my honest opinion of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I know, <laughs> I know. But it, it did, it, it really, it really tanked your argument. Cause in, and the point about like the, you know, the, the, the character was slight, Barbara Gordon was slightly better than Wild It's like, it's slightly better than Expectations. Um, whereas, I have to watch this like movie a lot with the kids, that, so like I see that all the time. I'm like, that, oh, yeah. cards on the table. That would be my review of this movie. <laughs> Slightly better than expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't rewatch it before this, and I forgot that they don't end up together at the end of the movie. Like I totally yeah. thought that that Barbara and Batman got together at the end. Yeah, of the I don't movie. remember I either. I, I didn't. It's remember not as anymore. bad as the Killing Joke animated movie. <laughs> <laughs> so whereas Chronicles of Riddick but, was like. Like all my expectations were up here, and it just did not meet them. I'm, Batman expectations were just game. like really low, and it kind of eked a little better than that. <laughs> a little better. Okay. So obviously, even though I tried really hard to be objective, I got you know even without that, you know the most predictable winner is the winner, and it's going to be Rogue yeah, One. It's, it's, it's a hollow victory because it was like kind <laughs> of the juggernaut. We all went Everyone into in this the chat was, was like, going to yeah. I tried. I, I was know like, you did. I, mean, I appreciate on, it. But it's fair, the best movie. I did it's try to pitch a different thing, and I was shot down. Down, and so I'm like, fine. I'm gonna take the fucking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna put my Death Star in here. We're oh, gonna was, do it. Like, my, my gut instinct was to take Rogue One. I'm like, you know what? I want to take a movie I don't actually enjoy yeah. that much and <laughs> see if I can do it. And that's why I, I went for Lego Batman. You did a good I will job. say that Thank even you. knowing Emily likes Rogue One, I almost thought you were gonna win with the Batman because. Like the argument that I was gonna make was that like while you were talking, yeah. I was like, yeah, but I'm so I'm so tired of angsty, sad Batman because that's every Batman now. Yeah. But then like, and then they then he fixes himself, and I'm like, shit, that takes away my argument. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's playing on the exact thing that's overdone and yeah. solving it. And I was like, oh no, he just took my big argument away. But yeah, I just I can't defend it beyond what I prepared. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so that brings today's battle to a close. Congratulations, Riley. Thank you. Well done. Uh, let's do a quick round of plugs and get out of here. Uh, I will plug, as always, listen to Venture Bros. The Venture Brothers podcast uh, comes out every Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, we are in season two right now. We just recorded last week uh, uh, Escape to the Mummies, I Forget Everything, part two. And then we did, uh, <laughs> it's a long fucking title. Uh, and then we well, That's going to be great for SEO. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did uh, 20 minutes or 20 hours, I forget exactly the time, to midnight. And that is arguably one of the best Venture Brothers episodes in its entirety of its run so be sure to check out those episodes they were a lot of fun to talk about uh anyone else things to plug can i do one more sure because i know i did two at the beginning okay uh starting october 13th i am going to be on a live DD uh streaming game that's going to be actually on the DD twitch channel awesome uh, it's oh nice the official tie-in game to their launch of the ravnica uh the guilds of ravnica book which is basically their combining the Magic the Gathering planes with the Dungeons and Dragons system. And so it's a huge... It's, there's never been a more ambitious crossover event in history. It's pretty uh, exciting. That's rough. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> I it's... I look forward to all the art. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. And I'm really excited about it. And uh, yeah, so we're starting that up. It's called The Broken Pact. And it's DM'd by a friend of mine from comedy back in Ohio, Ruben Bressler, who's a huge like magic personality on the internet, apparently. And uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to be playing in that. You should get Vin Diesel on it. He's a big D&D Oh guy. my God. I would love to get <laughs> Joe, like, Joe Manganiello in yeah. there. And... What I... <laughs> There, Brian uh, asked me what I thought uh, Riddick was in D&D, and I said, oh, he's totally chaotic neutral. And then Brian actually looked up uh, something from Vin Diesel online, and that he said the exact same thing. I'm yeah. like, oh, I can see that. <laughs> uh, the DM for Vin Diesel's uh, D&D Diesel, D&D Diesel yeah. or whatever, they had to make a uh, Matt Mercer had to make a class for it, uh, this witch hunter kind of like blood hunter thing. And he that, played and a witch hunter. Yeah, ah. that's, 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 that's why he Vin did it. To, Diesel with to this. really weird dress. But like that, that same class got revised and used in the current run of Critical Role. At least, oh nice, uh, oh, at, least, cool. at least until yeah. recently. But yeah, it was really cool to see that translation. Like there's a like, whole community of people who are just like building these materials on DMs Guild and I all just, that stuff. I just yeah. want to see him do more nerdy stuff. I know he's such a geek. Like go being geeky things. Like I love. Fast oh, he tries. Yeah, that's what that's what Chronicles for Riddick. Was. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I think he, now is the perfect time to come back for it. He wants to be the yeah. ultimate macho man. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else to plug before we finish this? I'm so booked up through Halloween. Emily does Emily not Blake. Emily is busy. Not so. Emily yeah. Blake does not sew right now. Actually, Emily Blake sews a lot, too much. <laughs> I, uh, I just bought an embroidery machine, so now I'm adding Ooh. that. But I, can't, I don't have time right now. But after yeah. Halloween, if you want to commission a costume, hit me up. Yeah, uh, I, I will say, as someone who uh, did the prototype of Emily's amazing 13th Doctor costume, it's she does really good work. Thank you. Awesome. I've now made, I think, 14 of those coats, and yours was the first. Yes. Just the other day, someone... should have stopped at the, 13. It was, the first, <laughs> it was the first and maybe the 13th as well, because you made me two Yeah, I made you another. I'm Turning into Batman, where I'm going to have a whole closet full of 13 Doctor nice. Coats, nice. and two of them are Emily's. And actually, three, three. of them, because Emily actually also made me my own commission one, which was I wanted her to make me Peter Capaldi's torn up velvet coat, oh, nice. so nice. I could go as the yeah. regenerated 13 Doctor. Nice. Uh, I actually had somebody the other day contact me to ask if I could sell that pattern, and I was like, I don't. That's not. Never sell your patterns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright. I, that. I don't do that. Litigate. Litigate. One more plug, and then we need to end this. Uh, Superstore is airing soon after this episode comes. Out. Uh, so please support me and our financial standings and just a great ensemble cast uh, starring America Ferreira and I'm forgetting everyone else's names right now. Again, I'm not on my game today. So. Nico Santos? <laughs> yes. All right. Can we say goodbye? Bye. 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 Bye.